Life is filled with so much artistry, from wordplay to picture play. Painters' creations, whether they be a portrait, landscape, still life, or even walls, to tapestries hung on a rod or fine linens clothing the insides of a room. Food, that's also art. So is drink. And that's where my next guests come in. I learned about their business on social media. Full disclosure, I went to school with them, lost track after graduation, reconnected via Facebook. They're bringing some spice to the world of upscale virgin drinks. And if you haven't heard of the Scarlet Beverage Company, now you have. So how did they get started along this path? Well, let's join a conversation with the couple who's making it happen. Scarlet Beverage Company co-founders Dean and Alicia Dennis. The recipe of at least one of the drinks that we have, it's a family recipe. We would share it amongst ourselves, and then at Christmas time, we would share it with, you know, maybe some friends. And always people said, oh, you know, you guys should really bottle this and sell it. So we're like, yeah, you know, it, it's nice to know that we've got something that good that, that you think should be bottled. But we didn't really take it seriously until we had a big change in our lives after the kids were born. And we started looking at life a little bit differently. We moved from Florida to California, and we were living in Northern California, just outside of Sacramento. And it was you know, a rural area. And we really liked it, the lifestyle that it gave us, um, the environment for the kids and everything like that. However, you know, we really wanted to still be in connection with our family, which is in Florida. And so, you know, I had a um, regular, you know, nine to five job. She was managing life with the kids at home. And that's when the need really started to manifest itself that, hey, for us to live the lifestyle that we want to live on both coasts, living in a semi-rural environment, just for the benefit of our kids and the, and the lifestyle that we like, you got to have a business system of your own. And then there's some other things, you know, we... we went to school together so you know our background as far as our um, belief system goes we are really big on healthy lifestyles as well and this has been an awesome conversation starter to talk to people about a healthy lifestyle because they want to know hey why non-alcoholic because this will go really well with something alcoholic but you're telling me that you know i should not do this and they want to know that why so this is just an awesome connection point on that level as well. So how did you get into the beverage making part of it? What year did everything really get started? We started taking it serious in about 2010. And then we went into business around 2014 after a lot of planning and things mm -hmm. like that. But you asked a very important question. I'm going to allow her to answer. <laughs> <laughs> like Dean mentioned, initially we had been doing a home recipe. And so we would bottle that for Christmas gifts. So the entire concept of packaging, labeling, bottling, to some degree, you know, we were familiar with, once we decided to go, okay, we really want to do this, then there was a learning curve. Big um, the nice thing is when you're excited and you're enthusiastic about something, you just jump in with both feet, right? And you don't know what you don't know. So you, you start and you learn as you go. And for us, we did a tremendous amount of research. For me, the formulation portion of it was exciting because that's the science part. And so, you know, I'm all there. Dean's all marketing. So it was a nice blend of abilities and interests so that he could handle one side of the business and then I could handle another. When it came to developing a product that would be shelf stable, it took a lot of research. It did take some trial and error and starting small. And I think 
with entrepreneurship, I think you have to have a why. Otherwise, you'll give up because as you go along, you encounter lots of barriers. As he said, you know, you're working. We were living very good lives. And so there has to be something deeper that's really driving you. It's like, why are you going to disrupt everything you're doing to do this other thing and where you're sort of tripping over your toes, you're learning as you go. And frankly, you're not very good at it when you start. And I think he mentioned the why. Part of it is the ability to be there for family. We both have elderly parents. But for me, there was the health component. I'm passionate about community health education and the impact you can have. I mean, especially the health disparities in the African-American community and the impact that health education has. I mean, dramatic impact to improve lifestyles and increase longevity for African-Americans. And I feel that if we can fund that process, then, you know, we can really make a difference. And when I looked at funding sources, everyone's asking for money. Nobody has money. And so I felt like we needed to be the money. And so that really was my why. You know, it's like more than anything else, I want us to be in a position to make a difference for the community. And so that's what drives us. So in terms of the formulation part of it, I know there is no short answer that I, but when it came to formulation, we a lot of research, a lot of trial and error and, you know, taking it um, in baby steps, going to a commercial kitchen first, exploring that process, getting the initial licensures um, and starting small and then, you know, growing as we go along. You know, I was telling uh, someone who we went to school with, in fact, that the process of just getting our product into this bottle right here, before we even sold the first one to get into a legal bottle that the government will smile upon when we put it on a store shelf Mm -hmm. was a great victory for us. And that was just like one of the first steps. My encouragement to every entrepreneur, especially in the food area, is that you're going to have to educate yourself. You're going to have to find the resources in your field to make make it possible for yourself because you're fighting upstream in a world that's going downstream. This country especially is not set up especially to support the entrepreneur. This country, it speaks about entrepreneurship and capitalism. However, it is from the standpoint of those who are already entrepreneurs and capitalists. Everybody else, it's very easy for us to go and work for one of them. That system is working fine and well. However, if you want to break apart from that system and you want to be someone who's hiring or lending rather than being employed or or borrowing, you're going to have to acquaint yourself with the concept of elbow grease. (laughs) (laughs) that's, That's my encouragement right there. There are already non-alcoholic brands out there. A few years ago, I happened to pick up a non-alcoholic wine. I tasted it and thought it was the nastiest thing on the planet. Well, maybe not the nastiest. I think green peas might even be worse. But I couldn't help but wonder about Dean and Delicia's take on this. And if they feel there's a void their company can fill and their special recipe, Scarlet Private Reserve Number 1 can fill and provide a better tasting alcohol-free beverage. I always tell Alicia that, you know, how much sparkling apple juice can we can one person drink? It's a you know, it's a great product. <laughs> Just beca- kind of become u- ubiquitous for people, you know, like us. We don't drink, 
But man, we're li- really we want something nice. We want something nice, and you want to celebrate with something nice. But it's just not out there. So when we moved to California, we ended up being in the middle of wine country, and we're like, wow, you know, although we don't drink, the culture surrounding the vineyard and winery lifestyle is very rich. It's really interesting to us, especially having an interest in beverages. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to meld that culture with a non-alcoholic experience. So what we found was the concept of varietal grape juice, which is wine grapes like you know Chardonnay and Riesling and all the ones that the world loves and enjoys. But most people don't know that you can get those pressed into fresh juice and unfermented because a lot of the non-alcoholic options in the store are fermented and then have the alcohol removed. Mm-hmm. And there are so many people out there who never developed a taste for alcohol, so we don't have any expectation of our beverage having that alcoholic taste. Yeah. We like the fresh taste of the fruit. Yes. <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I'm just amazed at how many other people like that there are from all walks of life, all over the country, all over the world, who never developed the, the taste for, for fermented alcohol. Fermented product, yeah. And, and they want the fresh drink. And I, and I find it, it, that it runs parallel with the vegetarian vegan movement as well, where people who are being a little more mindful about what they're eating, you know, they want organic foods, they want something more wholesome to eat. They're also looking for something more wholesome to drink and they're willing to pay a little more for it. When did you start figuring that out? Was that just part of the learning process? That came about around the time we became vegans ourselves, which was probably like right around eight, 10 years ago. We were like, you know, kind of vegetarian before, but you know, we got serious about being plant-based around the time we were investigating this business. So it was just a really nice intersection of um, concepts that worked to bring us where we are today. Okay, and plant-based does not have to be boring. No, we no. don't, not at all, not at all. <laughs> no. So we discovered going plant-based, you enjoy a wider, richer profile, flavor profile, than you do eating a vegetarian or a, a meat-based diet. I, I think once your palates, your taste buds are cleansed, um, you start tasting and experiencing foods and varieties of foods much differently than you did before. So it's been an incredible journey for us. I, it's awesome. I, I tell everybody, if you haven't done it, try it. And now when you go into the grocers, they are meeting the needs of vegans. It's such a huge movement and in such a large way that you can find everything you need conveniently. It's not that you don't have to make everything yourself anymore. You sort of go in and grab it off the shelf and it's there for you. So it's very nice. The concept of premium in food, upscale in food, what separates upscale from regular these days are the concepts of organic, better quality, natural. That That's what like the Whole Foods market is um, based on. You know, like right now we're working with them to get our product in their stores and they want to make sure that you truly live up to the organic or the health claims that you make non-GMO, whatever it is that you say you are, because their stake, their claim to the concept of premium so they can charge consumers more is based on the fact healthy. that it's healthy. And healthy these days equals premium. So a few weeks ago, I think it was a few weeks ago, I saw a social media post and it was you and your children. At, was that in a Whole Foods? It was. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a Whole Foods. Where was that? In Coral Gables, Coral Gables. In, in Miami. Yeah. We're working with them through um, Florida International University right now to um, having them interview our products. We're in the process of proving our product concept. And we've kind of created a category with premium non-alcoholic beverages. 
they love it. Everyone else loves it. And we want to make sure that, you know, it's a concept that's really going to work really well for both parties involved. So we're in other markets in the area right now, but our prize, you know, that we really want, we really want to be in Whole Foods. And when we go there, we want to make sure everything is right. So what other markets are you in right now? I know people, if they want to order, they can order online. But if they wanted to go into a store and grab a bottle, where could they go? You would have to live in South Florida to be able to find this on the shelf at this point. And the shelves that we can be found on in Palm Beach County, we're in a place called Food Town. We're also in another specialty grocer called Oxtails. We're in another specialty grocer in Lake Worth. And then in Miami, we're in about four stores down there, Bravo Market and in Broward fish and meat which is a specialty grocer that has regular full line of groceries as well i was down there all day sampling our product and so you know a lot of a lot of hard work you know i i wish i could say that this is a desk job that's really just easy glamorous and cushy but it's not you know right now we're doing everything we participate even in the in the brewing process and the um, we do all the marketing ourselves she is my um, cfo I'm also the delivery driver. (laughs) You know, we're doing everything ourselves at this point, but the ultimate goal is to put together an architecture that will allow us to, like I said, enjoy what we want out of life, which Mm -hmm. is life on two coasts and being, you know, living in our main residence, which is in 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 a rural environment. We homeschool our kids. That's very, those things are things that are very important to us. And I don't expect, you know, any job out there just to give me that. That's too much to ask. <laughs> it's a beautiful concept, the idea that art comes in many forms, from art on a wall, like we talked about earlier, to portraits of a former president sitting surrounded by beautiful foliage, to a former first lady in a beautiful flowing gown, to clothes, wearable art, body art, to music art for the ears. It can be food and drink. More with Dean and Alicia Dennis of the Scarlet Beverage Company, creators of drinkable art. Yes, yes, yes. And we're just, we've discovered that there's an entire palette of flavors mm-hmm. that, let's say, let's go with America right now. In America, we've been used to a palette of flavors about that wide right there. And um, because of, you know, great Things like cable television, you know, way back in the 80s and 90s, you got extra channels and dedicated to food, like the Food Network. And they introduced people to foods from different parts of the world. And um, the American palate began to expand. Different seasonings, different spices, different ingredients began to come onto this palate. And people began to paint different pictures with these foods. They would meld different idioms. You know, you would have one thing that we like to do is Greek haystacks, you know, and we we just fusions of just just different cultures. And these flavors were just amazing. But everyone was enjoying those flavors with the same can of Coca-Cola or Sprite or whatever it is that that, that they drank. And we said, hey, you know something? We can do the same artistry with beverage as well. There's some flavors out there in drink that we're familiar with. And we just want to paint a picture, prepare drinks differently than they're prepared now. Most of the popular drinks are either juices that are coming from a concentrate or they're syrup concentrates that are mixed with water and um, carbonated. How about brewing? How about blending other fresh juices together? 
how about sourcing different spices from different places and um, you know fusing. fusing them through distillation and things like that into a different kind of drink. And that's just kind of where we started going really crazy creatively, seeing what else we could do. So I think you've tasted our product. Um, it's a taste that I don't think it's like any other drink that you're going to find on the streets. We have probably a book of recipes, you know, that thick of more drinks like that and that we're eager to, you know, just, just, just share. So yeah, artistry. And then there's artistry in how you present it. Oh man, you know, this could have been a, we could have made it into a soda. We could have made it into something that's more like a tea, but we wanted to have an upscale premium presentation. So there's just a lot of options that you have in creating a food product. And, you know, we went this route and, you know, maybe next time we'll go a different route with it, with, with another product. So now talking about artistry from artistry to the future. Uh, one person I spoke with, she talks about legacy. So in establishing this business, what part did legacy and your children play into, into your why? I think that's critically important because we want to raise socially minded, I think as a Seventh-day Adventist, first and foremost, a service. And I think coming out of the Oakwood paradigm as well, you know, you're departing to serve. And we wanted to pass that on to the kids. As a Christian, our entire objective and purpose is to be of service to the community. So having when you work a nine to five in a typical job, you do have opportunities to serve depending on your career path. But the ability to extend that generationally is somewhat limited. One of the exciting things about entrepreneurship is that you choose your area of focus. For us, it's community health education. And then we develop a system where we can fund that process and we can channel our service to the community meaningfully. And that's something we can teach the children as we go. I, I chose to homeschool the kids. So it's a wonderful opportunity because their academics are not limited to just a reading, you know, writing, math, but literally they're learning how to run a business, the entire concept of social responsibility, giving back, service to the community. They get to see the impact when we do health lectures and we do community health outreach in, you know, real time. So as you, what is the purpose of building a business? So no, you don't want 10 pairs of sneakers. You know that we're going to use those funds from the business. The objective, do blood pressure checks, right? To provide glucometers for community members who are literally dying from type 2 diabetes, which is a reversible disease process. And building this process and having them watch us and grow with us as we do it, I think sets an incredible foundation for them so they can carry it on and so that we can extend that for future generations. What are some of the inspirations behind some of the flavors that you've come up with? Our most popular product right now is the one in the square bottle, which is Scarlet Private Reserve Number One. And both Alicia and I, we have Caribbean backgrounds. Our families are from Jamaica. Alicia herself was born in Jamaica. My parents are from Jamaica. And the way they raised me, I guess I might as well have been born there, but I was born in New York. Different story. <laughs> anyway. In Jamaica, there's just a rich tradition of drinks. And, you know, the most popular drink coming off of the island right now is probably either Ray and Nephew white rum or or, um, or, or red, red Stripe Bear or something like that. <laughs> but Jamaicans and people in the Caribbean jail take the drink very, very seriously. Uh, Caribbean tradition is during the holidays, there's a drink that's called sorrel. 
made from the calices of what people know as the hibiscus or the roselle plant. And every family in Jamaica, in the Caribbean, has a family sorrel recipe. Yeah. And everyone makes it differently. differently. They're all good. They're all very, very good. But I have it on good information that our family has the best one. <laughs> <laughs> what we did was we took that as an inspiration, that flavor profile, which is, um, I would call it like Christmas in a bottle because the spices that are that are used, I found that it's just, just a delightful drink that, you know, people who know it, they crave it all year round. They actually get it in the, in the holidays. So what we wanted to do was fill that gap between January and December with a product that is, you know, reminiscent of sorrel. So that flavor profile, we superimposed that flavor profile on top of a drink that would behave more like a um, spirit. In the mouth, you would get a feel that there is there alcohol in this, not by taste, but by the mouthfeel. The mouthfeel is really important psychologically. How does your brain perceive what it is actually feeling in the mouth and in the throat? And we found just this really interesting phenomenon when you took that flavor profile, superimposed it on top of an alcoholic flavor profile that did not have alcohol. But then we have people who drink our product who say that they feel the relaxation that alcohol gives them, but no alcohol at all. Their mind is still bright, but they're relaxed. They're drinking it slowly. They feel calm and, 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 and mellow. And that's when we knew that we were on to something kind of special. So that's our most popular product. Most people mix it with something sparkling and, you know, it's a really nice flavor. But as far as the juices go, you can look directly to the existing wine culture for the inspiration behind those those drinks. That is a rich, established culture with its own vernacular and lexicon. And we just wanted to expose people like you and I who, you know, will, will never drink wine for you know obvious reasons. However, to enjoy the richness of a food the way they do, we can do that now in a non-alcoholic way where you can talk about the subtleties of flavor the notes, the hints, what it does, the, the nose, as they call it, the um, finish. We can do that. We can analyze and have these philosophical conversations about a glass of juice. <laughs> yeah. We can now do that and be full participants in what I find is a very rich tradition. It's really awesome. It's amazing um, to discover that the varietals, the grapes themselves, have that essence that flavor profile we're talking about and for me that was a learning curve i assumed that when people talked about different wines a lot of it had to do with the aging and the oak and the process of fermentation which does add its own dimension to the beverage but the what we found was the actual wine grape fresh pressed the incredible and you capture and bottle that in its fresh state Nothing it is, like it. it. There is literally, I've experienced nothing like it. And it's a just this incredibly well-kept secret. And I was like, this needs to be out on the market. So we're excited to be part of that process to share that. And I just tell you, my favorite out of anything that we offer would be the Gewurz Traminer. It's, it's kind of like a Muscat grape. It has a really, it almost tastes like pear and berries, but it's the grape. And the flavor that it's most intense. people 
traditionally associate with a the grapey flavor, they would say, okay, that's like a Concord grape. You know, when when you when most people taste a grape, they taste they're thinking Concord or a grape crush soda, <laughs> <laughs> and that is such a disservice to oh, wow. the yeah. broad range of flavors that grapes actually provide. The best grapes in the world, Liz, are fermented. The best grapes they've, they've are fermented, fermented for a reason because yeah. they're the best tasting grapes. And if you could actually take one of those grapes and eat it, yeah. it would be the most delicious berry you have yeah. ever tasted in your life. But most people will never get their hands on it because those yeah. grapes are worth more crushed and fermented. We've walked the vineyard and sampled the grapes right off the vine. And, you know, we're like, why are they fermenting this? Why aren't they just literally putting this in a bottle? And that's what's inspired us to do this. And when you put it in a bottle, it is an amazing, amazing experience. So wow. our grape drinks are very limited run because it's very hard to get. Like I said, the most valuable grapes are pressed. They're worth more. As, as wine. As, yeah, the as, wine as industry wine. is kept, sort of cornered that so, section of the market. So we're working with another um, partner now, which is able to give us what we need. And we're hoping to get those in hands like yours very, very soon. And I don't know, a lot of people seem to like um, sparkling types of yeah. drinks. So that's going to be the first line that we introduce in the near future. And um, you'll have a spumante, a, um, a, nice, a nice burgundy. We're going to have a um, Chablis. We're going to have a rosé and a um, Catawba. Catawba is a really nice, really nice grape. It has a nice, strong flavor and um, good stuff. You know, it's just introducing people just in you know, new language. <laughs> so has anyone ever said, well, why are you trying to imitate wine? And what's your response to that? You know, it's interesting. It's so different. So not really, because I think... People are used to, quote unquote, fake wines being the wines they ferment and then they extract the alcohol from. And when you taste that, it is an attempt to create that unique fermented flavor. And, it, it, and if you're not a drinker, that's not something that's appealing to you because it's an acquired taste. And for us, we're really wanting to introduce something completely new. For us, we want you, it's a completely different, it's a pure, it's a rich, it's an intense burst of flavors that you have not previously experienced. And I, I think it does it a disservice to compare it to wine. I think when people experience it, they'll realize that it is its own unique thing. It's a marked difference in the two. The similarity is that um, the concept of premium drink has always been associated with alcohol. And people who want to spend more for a drink they really don't want that drink to come in a plastic bottle or an aluminum can. So what happens is we're going to put our products in the best possible vessel that we can in order to transmit its premium intentions. And upon eyesight, it's going to look like a alcoholic beverage. And I understand that it, people are going to assume that it's alcoholic because of the vessel that because it's of in. The container. But the drink concept on the inside is... It's very different, but of course there are going to be inherent similarities because grapes. wine grapes, mm -hmm. you know, are wine grapes. And they're going to look very similar in the glass. The, the vineyards that our products are grown on also produce fermented products as well. 
Flavorful artistry, building a lifestyle, teaching the next generation, and building a legacy for their children and community. More with Dean and Alicia Dennis and their inspiration to create the Scarlet Beverage Company. One thing that I think is good, just for context and perspective, is we were really inspired by um, the Newman's own company, Paul Newman, who, you know, he started out making salad dressings and pasta sauces and, you know, other things. And he made his money mostly acting. And he, I think he did some race car driving as well. Mm -hmm. And he was a millionaire in his own right when he started a food company. And he started very similar to us where he bottles the salad dressing and gave it to friends. And they said, hey, you should sell it. He started selling it. And his accountant came to him and said, hey, you know, Mr. Newman, we made a million dollars off of this salad dressing this year. He said, okay, you know, well, let's give all that money to charity. And the food products became more popular than his acting career. And he ended up making hundreds of millions of dollars off of the food, but he never wavered on his commitment to the community to give all of the after-tax profits to charities. And what I found very, very inspirational was that to date, that company has given over $600 million. That, sorry, $700 million to charitable causes. And I see charitable causes that are near and dear to both you and I languishing for lack of funds. Mm -hmm. And there's so much talent innovation just within on the on the campus that we walked on mm -hmm. right there in um, Huntsville Alabama in the 90s the amount of talent yeah. and, and genius that walked that campus if just a fraction of that were leveraged for entrepreneurial purposes that would nourish the causes that are important to us this world would be a different place right now so what I'm really trying to do I want to inspire other people who have these great ideas but they there's the element of fear because, you know, we were scared. We were established in a, like I said, a traditional life that was working. You know, it, it was a great situation, but we wanted something different. And, you know, what would be somewhat midlife, we decided that we wanted to go after something different. And it wasn't easy, but the rewards are real yeah. and, and they're not all always um, financial. The rewards oh, so much more than for, for our relationship, for our um, family, for our health, just mm -hmm. for our peace and state of mind. Of course, the financial rewards, you know, that, that, that's something to consider as well. But I want to encourage people who, you know, maybe you've gone to school for a course of study and you see something different that you might want to pursue. Don't let fear cripple you. Mm -hmm. Make yourself intelligent about the field that you want to go into. Yeah. Reduce the size of your lifestyle. Have a smaller footprint and start saving your money and invest in your dream. Because the only way that this world is going to become the world that we want it to be is if we take up, you know, the reins, take the bull by the horns and make these changes ourselves. That was Dean and Alicia Dennis, co-founders of the Scarlet Beverage Company. And it's described on their website as an innovative creator of premium virgin drinks. Learn more about this business couple who's creating options for those who prefer virgin drinks and for folks who might want more non-alcoholic options to serve at their parties. If you hadn't heard of the Scarlet Beverage Company before this podcast, honey, now you have. Find links and more information at planetnown.com. Hit up Planet Noun on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Please share this episode and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And please go and rate and review the podcast. I would be very appreciative. You can also follow us on SoundCloud. 
Again, thank you so much for listening. Please share with a friend, share with a neighbor. If you think an enemy needs to hear this, share that too. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, take care.